Uh, greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Preemptive Strike spoiler cast for Untold Dawn. So I am Renegade Operative, and I am here with my prestigious guest, and we're going to introduce Mr. A.K. Austin. Hello, hello. Sorry for the trouble, my colleague, but I'm here. Hopefully I can get it fixed by the next podcast. But yes, it is me, A.K. Austin. Next up, we have Ginch. Hey, it's Ginge, and let's talk about Until Dawn. <laughs> Next up is... Yeah. Next up is Lady Tolkien. Hey, everybody. Lady Tolkien. I'm super excited for this podcast with y'all. Next up is Silver Crystal. Greetings, wonderful people. Silver back again for some Until Dawn. Thanks for having me. As always, you're welcome, man. No problem. Next up is uh, Mr. Brandle. I am here now with a fade as an avatar. Okay, all might. All might. (laughs) (laughs) And last but not least is the IES Dabber herself, Ms. Versa Vulture. Hi, I'm Versa. I'm super excited to talk about Until Dawn. I'm super happy about that one. (laughs) I've been really happy all day today. All right, we're going to get right into it then. So for the first question, let's begin with the standard question. How did you find out about Until Dawn and what compelled you to give it a chance in the first place? E3. Hmm. Damn, you know, I I remember the E3 trailer, yeah. Yeah, that's how I discovered it. It's literally at E3 on during Sony's press conference. And how I got to play the game? Well, I had a PS4 at the time, so I couldn't play it. So I could watch other other people play it. I got my own PS4 now, PS Plus, I got it for free. Now, here we are. I played it. But I was like, I knew about the game beforehand, so like, you know, it's like just me getting all hands-on experience now versus just watching other people play it. Um I think that I also saw it at E3 as well, but I really remember I worked at GameStop at the time. Um, and some of my coworkers were like, Hey, you need to check this out. And I was like, okay. So, um, I saw that it was spooky and I was like, Ooh, it seems like it has a really interesting concept. And so I gave it a shot. I ended up, you, you first Austin gone. Sorry about that. Thank you. Um, so I actually didn't hear about it until it practically was about out. And when it did come out, I I don't have a PS4, so I watched a certain playthrough who didn't get anybody killed in the first try. I was really surprised, but we'll get back, we'll get more into it in the later questions. But it was very surprising seeing this, and it's probably one of my favorite like games to watch still, just on a pure like visual and like storytelling point. But like I said, we'll get to that in the later questions. I ended up finding it oddly through YouTube. YouTube recommended the the trailer to me. And I ended up watching it with my partner. And she said, you know, that looks pretty decent. So we picked it up on release day, actually, and played it on release day. Bugs and all. And it was, um, it was actually really good. There were a few pretty bad graphical bugs. But hey, things need patching these days, don't they? Yeah, pretty good. Quick and simple. 
Uh, my answer is kind of boring. I just saw this game on Redbox, and that was it. Like, I was like, okay, this is gonna be like a nice five dollar rental, so I'm gonna pick it up and play it from there. Like, I went in, I went into this game fully blind. I had no idea what was happening, what was going on. I never saw it at E3. The only thing I kind of remember is that they supposedly changed the game around, and that was it. Uh, it was originally going to be on the PS3, like back in 2012, I think. But there's actually footage on YouTube. I actually saw this by chance um, yesterday. Was was looking up something. And yeah, like the game was honestly very different from what it is today. Yep. That's that's the only thing I know is that it was supposedly going to be uh, from that moment in time, a last gen release. And then they changed it around and they altered like some of the characters as well. And they put it out. But other than that, I went to it blind and I was like pleasantly surprised. I really like this game. So anyone else with any uh, stories on Until Dawn or no? Yeah, I, I kind of, uh, I think I got it through uh, YouTube recommended as well, like the trailer. Um, and then uh, I didn't have a PS4 at the time. So I had to watch other people play it. And then I've eventually now started like started playing through it and really enjoying it. But I've watched like three or four different playthroughs of it, like to get the different outcomes and stuff. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, only just recently actually sat down and played it. Right. Yeah, I'm the. Oops, sorry. Oh no, go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm basically the same way. I had it on my recommendations from YouTube. Watched a couple different people play through it um, before I tried playing it myself. So, so I'm going to move to question number two. So, who wants to read that off? I'll take that one if you're down for it. Sure. Down that. Let's do okay. <laughs> In terms of presentation, tone, and atmosphere, did you feel like this game accomplished what it tried to do for capturing the teen horror spirit? Yes, honestly. Like, it went from just being campy, campy and goofy as shit to being a legit dreadful like experience. Like, yeah, I think it did a good job. Especially with the characters themselves, right? Some of them were just outright weird or nauseous at first, but they became, you know, stone cold or just, you know, completely different people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I I think one of the great things about this game is that over time, uh, characters change, and that's the real development of the game, along with all the horror aesthetic. I also like the fact that, you know, it goes batshit crazy in the second half, but that's like a later question we'll talk about. But it's just, yeah, it, it captures that horror element well. I do feel like they really honed in on, like, a lot of jump scares. Like it was, it was like so many of them. I was like, "Holy fucking shit!" In the beginning, uh, yeah. There's a lot though, but I don't think it took away from the experience though. Because let's be honest here, on your first time though, is you're not gonna expect a lot of this. And plus, some of them generally will like, you no, know, based on your um your choices and outcomes or whatever, right? So like, yeah. I think I it, think, it, I think it, they did a good job like spacing them out and also based on you, the player. You no, know, you get some jump scares on your own religion. I I don't think it was an annoyance, just the fact that it was so many of them and that I kind of figure it was leading up to something like I was like, there's no way that 
we're gonna go to this cabin in the woods after these two people die and there's these is this guy like running around with like a machete and flamethrowers and shit i was like hold on something weird is going on like in the woods so i, I like how they set up that tone where you don't know what's going on in the first place and then when shit hits the fan like nobody's really prepared outside of the one stranger running around and fucking shit up i think a lot of those jump scares pretty much they they set the tone and kind of keep you on edge before real stakes start, you know? Yeah. Popping up, things start happening. I'd say the first major event, which we'll, I won't say now because we'll get into it in another question, but uh, the first major event happens about a third of the way through, I'd say. Am I, am I right in that? About a quarter of the way, a third of the way through? Kind of. I, yeah, I, I yeah. think. I would say yeah. it's worse, actually. I would say we're right around a source. I, I kind of knew something was weird when the deer got eaten. Because, like, I was like, hold <laughs> on. This is not just a bear. This is something yeah, else. That's not right. Mm-hmm. And then when yeah. Just got pulled through the window, that was also something weird as well. But I, I like how they play with your expectations. Like, is this really just a guy doing this, or is this something else? You know, I'm glad you said that, too, because some people didn't like the idea of the um, supernatural elements, though. Because really? um, they felt like, yeah, some some say, like, it came out of nowhere, though, which is obviously false. So if you actually, like, play the game, right? Because some of the stuff was blatant. Like, the biggest one was with, um, with Jessica getting dragged to the window. Like, no human can do that. You I know. think it. I think it was also with her falling down the mine shaft too. Like I, I don't know. It was her getting pulled through the window. You're trying to chase like whatever grabbed her, and then just her like dying the way that she did. If you got her killed, um, I felt like was a blatant. Oh, this isn't just a normal like person. Mm-hmm. Oh, these things have a lot of fun with uh ripping people's jaws <laughs> off, which we'll get into later. <laughs> Yeah. So, anyone else on this question? No, I don't think I have much to add other than that. Yeah, they were going. They this was like super elite. Like I've seen the advertisements now, but it was like super heavily advertised as like a kind of sort of like a movie game type of deal. Like oh, sit with like friends and you watch this, and they basically advertise like this ain't really like a game. It's more like an actual like a visual roller coaster. And I was like, I kind of, I don't know, I, I was one of the few people who who thought of that. I was like, yeah, that makes sense. It's like a visual roller coaster. And honestly, I think it did, out of like, it's a little question to know, but like out of all like of these type of games, I think Until Dawn did it the best, in my personal opinion. Yeah, you got your Heavy Rains, your Detroits, all that david cage stuff that yeah, he pioneered stuff yeah. is is fun and all and like his slash except for beyond two souls that is a heaping trash fire but <laughs> we, we won't dive, we won't dive into wow. that but heavy rain and detroit were in my personal opinion classics of its time in my personal opinion but like yeah. i said like the type of these type of like visual storytelling like video games quote unquote uh, i think until dawn is probably up there as like the best one in my personal opinion i'm going to agree with austin here actually because i i really like david cage games i especially <laughs> like heavy rain and fahrenheit and i'm also a fan of the telltale games but the problem is with all the ones i've just mentioned it doesn't feel like there truly is a real semblance of variety for your choices and consequences 
whereas Until Dawn feels like it really does have not an immaculate amount of actions and consequences because the the trees to do this would be almost limitless and it would be a, a development nightmare. Yeah, it has to be scripted at least for them to do this. So it has to be some it, form of scriptation, you know. I'm sure most of us can agree that the uh, the range of actions and consequences are are very wide, and that's like that's why it's one of my favorites, if not the favorite, out of these games. Essentially, I agree with you. In fact, the only one I can mm-hmm. think of that come close to this really would be Heavy Rain, because you know, certain actions will outright kill a character off or alter your your ending outright. You know? Yeah. And so, without like, going that's... too much into that, some of those were shocking. Some of those were quite shocking. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Uh, yeah, what else? Ren. Uh, the only thing I have to add is that I do agree that I do have some like sort of affinity for playing these. I I do also agree with the fact that when you play something Telltale related and you find out that your choice really doesn't matter at times, or a character just. Uh, turns into the character that you don't want them to anyway because I saw this with Batman a lot even though I like uh, Enemy Within and I like the first season uh, Two-Face still becomes Two-Face even if you don't get him burned and it's like a psychological thing so I like that this game once you get to that second point characters will just die we talked about the limitless stuff with plot armor uh, with uh, the characters being like saved or something like that because if they didn't do it scripted then it would be a nightmare like silver set so i think this is why characters like sam or characters like uh mike they don't die until the end of the game heavy rain sort of had that as well with ethan winters i mean not ethan winters ethan mars <laughs> i'm thinking of resident evil for some reason <laughs> the they have the same they have the same to the end they have the same name so you know it, it, it's the same but just uh, keep using that first aid spray yeah but it's that it's that simple problem that's like carried over but i don't have a big deal with it because at least if you want them dead you could do something at the end to alter it so that's the that's the only thing oh no no, never i get to that later actually i was about to say something way ahead but uh oh no it's fine so should we move the question three yes please okay who wants to read that i'll read it Oh, go ahead. How did you feel about the general storyline from start to finish, including the native Wendigo lore and the twist about them being in the second half of the game? This is important because the slasher theme with Josh was a ruse. Mm, this is going to be a long one, but <laughs> I I will generalize like my answer and let people go. I really enjoyed it. I didn't see it coming, which was the great twist about it. Uh, because it's like, yeah, there's something in the woods. I, I get some idea of this, but I don't know what's out there. I, I think it's just the hatchet man doing things in the beginning. And then it turns out to be something much more than just uh, Josh playing a cruel joke, which uh, they kind of got me, though, when they saw Josh in half. I thought he was actually dead at that point. Uh, but but it turned out to be like something else. And that was really interesting. That was really uh something off guard and i, I like how the window goes look just like small skinny gray people just punching through the characters i, I thought that was funny uh but yeah i, I really like the lore i really like the story and it brings the whole hannah and beth thing full circle mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I yeah, I agree with you though. The biggest um thing I love about this though is definitely the world building. Especially when you go out your way to collect the um like the notes and other like technically collectibles, right? It, it all puts air into perspective of why for one, why there's so many of these things running around there. Because you got the um mines, which people got trapped there and you know, that led to X, Y, and Z. And you got the um like the Silent Asylum, I think it's called. And you got yeah. people there that were forced into becoming Wendigos and uh, among other things. And then, of course, you got, you know, stragglers coming in. Yep. So I think they did probably one of the best world building for a lot of, um, compared to other games of its type and maybe games in general. Like, it honestly does remind me of Resident Evil, which obviously is inspiration, though. But I think it definitely nailed the world building above all. Yeah, I would agree. I I'm just going to say, I love the way they went about this from start to finish, because the way I see it, this is actually my third playthrough of this game from start to finish. And I really wanted to have another one before I came on here. Now, the way I see it, the first half is pretty much there to subvert your expectations and in some ways you still end up letting your guard down you get drawn in by essentially the, the slasher half of the story and then you essentially start to think oh the slasher part of this is dealt with now we are essentially safe we're good and then for a brief moment you've let your guard down and then you set foot in those mines Usually is Emily. That's most of the time the first time you see one of them. And then this ginormous, or not ginormous, but horrible, scrawny, horrendously emaciated horror monster just lunges out the shadows and tries to tear your head from your shoulders. You're like, Jesus Christ. I, I, I don't know about anybody else, but the Wendigos actually did put the fear of God into me. They really made me feel uncomfortable. They really did. <laughs> It was very effective for me. Anybody else? Yeah, not necessarily. Cause well, I, I get a good credit though. They're more simplistic than overly designed. But I'm like, oh god, you guys are more of a nuisance. Get out of here, type deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I agree with you there, Silver. Like, yeah, they were like when they first when they first appeared. Like when I was watching the playthrough, when they first appeared, I legit had the same reaction as the guy I was watching, and it was just out of pure like, what the fuck is this thing? What the hell? What the actual hell? What's going on here? I had the exact same reaction. I was like, what? What? I really like their design, by the way. I think the Wendigo's design in this was is pretty unique. It's like something I I've never seen before in the terms of like a Wendigo lore. I've always seen like just humans just with sharp teeth and they're super strong. I've seen like like Wendigos are like pretty much demonic in like form, but this is more of like kind of like an, a zombie like creature in the most cases, and it's. Honestly, I think it's a really well, it's really well done in terms of being supernatural and also being very like actual Wendigo, where it's like somewhat humanoid in its own right. I like how twisted. I like how they're skinny. I like how they're skinny but powerful. Like that's that's one of that's the awesome thing things about it. Baffles me yes. about them too. Like they're like they're incredibly fast. They're like skittish fast, and then they have enough strength to literally rip your head off clean. Like, what yeah. are you made of? <laughs> <laughs> so you, you, the Wendigo lore is that 
when you eat the flesh of an, of the same species as you, you gain their power and shit like yeah. that. I, I know, just like, you guys are built differently, though. Like, you scrawny as <laughs> shit, and yet you can do all that? Like, okay, sign me up. It leaves uh, you up? wondering what these things are actually capable of. When you first see it, when you first see it, you think, okay, that is, that is freaky, but I'm not going to let it catch me because I don't know what the hell it's capable of. And if you let it get a hold of you, you see what the hell it's capable of very quickly when it's ripping off your limbs and inserting them into what's left of you, essentially. <laughs> huh, not, that not didn't come out right. As well, uh, Pause, my man. Pause. My God. <laughs> Pause for a second. <laughs> Take off your head and shove it up your ass, gotcha. What? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Okay. Uh, so, uh, okay, so I initially felt, um, like, okay, so I had no idea about, because I got this game when it, like, first came out, so I didn't really know anything about it beforehand, uh, as far as, like, watching other people play it, so I didn't know about the twist at the end. So initially, I guess like everyone said, there was like the slasher theme. So I started kind of getting a little annoyed about that because I was like, can we just like speed this along, figure out who's the killer, like what's going on? Um, and we did mention earlier that there was there were some events that took place that was like, oh, hey, this isn't just like a slasher. Like it's it's not just a slasher. So when we did get to the part, that little twist where you find out that it's a Wendigo, um, I was freaked out because I, uh, at the time, I didn't know anything about Wendigo. So I was like, what the hell kind of creature is this? What is this doing? Uh, what's going to happen if it catches me? Um, and stuff like that. So I, I don't know. It, it freaked me out a lot. But I did end up enjoying the supernatural element to it because I did think that it bought like a big like twist in a good way to the game. Just so you didn't feel like you were just watching i guess a movie because i felt like i was well i read the book uh i forget which book it was but like they the, these kids end up in a cabin and they start getting picked off one by one so i kept getting vibes from that um but i, I like the woods <laughs> no uh no it was like an older i don't know if it was i know what you did last summer i could be wrong it was a book i read though i didn't see like the movie um but it did get made into a movie but i kept getting vibes from whatever book that was and so I thought it was just going to turn out like that. So when we did get the twist, I was uh, super scared, but also, like, intrigued. Anyone else? I was just going to say, I agree with what Austin said about the look of the Wendigo. I've seen it done multiple different ways. And I thought it was super unique the way they did it, and I enjoyed them in the game quite a bit. I thought it was really well done. Yeah, you at first it's like you kind of think that well maybe they're so skinny they can't put up a fight, but you are severely mistaken if they catch you. Like they will rip your jaw off. They will do unspeakable things. Uh, it's a question later, but the way one of the characters died, where it's like his head just kind of came off like a Lego block. I thought that was pretty hilarious. <laughs> it, it's it's kind of great, actually, so I really liked it. What, what were you saying? Kind of cut out. 
I said it was the easiest thing to do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what happened. His head just came off like a, a brick of Legos, and I, I thought that was pretty entertaining. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the the lore is fine. I, I figure it's kind of a little bit cliche because you think about the whole Native American principle and some things like uh on sacred grounds and you can't be in here so it's kind of a little cliche but for this game i think it works because of the tone and the aesthetic and what they're trying to go for um and that surprise leaves the mystery open for interpretation like how these people are getting affected how they're turning into wendigos how there's people involved trying to make more of them which is a scary thought in his own right so i thought that was really well done no, now I think about it, this game is literally just a victim of circumstances. Like one thing led to another, or one thing was like nobody knew this was happening, and this happened by chance, and then led to another event to this happening. And yeah. here we are with the main game. Yeah, it it's mm-hmm. like they say in the beginning: the butterfly effect, cause and effect. Everything happens mm-hmm. for a reason, and if your like choices or determinations have an outcome, it could lead to something else and splinter off. So I thought that was really cool. And plus it reminded me of that movie butterfly effect. And I thought that movie was uh, awesome, honestly. So to see that turn into a game was a pretty cool idea. With Ashley Kusher, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I I just remember there was one vision where he got his arms blown off and I was like, holy fucking shit. I, I got a question real quick though. Um, none of you guys have like these seen the other games, right? The um prequel game and the spinoff, which I don't think that one matters much. If I remember right, but the spinoffs of the VR one, right? Um, the appendant, I think it's called the um VR game. Oh yeah, yeah that's a prequel too. On... Question is it? I was yeah, like, I'm gonna ask you though. Just uh, question ten. Just question ten. All right, go ahead. Let's move. Wait, yeah, we can save it for that. Uh, so what is the next one? Uh, let me see. That's number. What number are we on? Number four. four? Okay. Everyone done with storylines. Nothing else to bring up. Hmm. Say that again. You kind of cut out. Okay. So he's done. All right. Yeah, that's that's number four. I heard him. I heard him. Uh, so your favorite male and female character out of the bunch. Who are they? Uh, um, that's that's honestly kind of easy. Pretty hard. I mean, I see this too right Who's who's not picking Mike? That's a good question, though. Who's not picking Mike and Sam? That's the that's the. Yeah, that that should really be the question. (laughs) That should be the question. (laughs) (laughs) Who doesn't have Sam or Mike as their favorite? No, it's literally (laughs) who is your favorite character and why is it Sam and Mike? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it is definitely them too (laughs) Uh, no if i put this to a side though i gotta give honors to um freaking chris Uh, he's such a bro should we say a part sorry yeah uh chris now he's funny like after doing my second playthrough i'm like he has a lot of funny moments and uh him donning the monk costume and saying that he has ascended <laughs> to another plane when he talks to <laughs> Ashley about it. I, I thought that was pretty funny. That also I do like his character growth because he's now depending on your Ashman's of course given you no know, game we're talking here. Uh he definitely breaks out of his shell and becomes a little bit more you no know, you no know, more point man in charge whenever the situation calls for it. Yeah. He certainly does. So he, he also rocks the pumpy, the pump shoddy. Yes. 
<laughs> that was like it kind of be uh that's, uh we'll we'll talk about that in six, but like uh the moments of Chris is is pretty good. Anyone else on uh, other favorite characters outside of Sam and Mike? Sam and Mike. Like, honestly, I think Sam and Mike are just cheating. He's <laughs> just cheating. Uh, Why not? Yeah. No, I got a side question to ask, though, after we're done with this. Because it's, it's going to be related to this one, but yeah, go ahead. All right. Um, uh, I guess I'll uh, just take my two cents. Like, most people, I really like Chris. Unfortunately, Matt was, like, kind of sideline, So I can't really put them put him up there because he was just... He was out for, like, 70% of the game, to be honest. Same with uh, Jess, <laughs> which is a little bit of a shame because I would have liked to see them survive in their own scenarios more but um i really like ashley not only for the fact that she's just really cute uh, she's actually kind of resourceful she like she she's the one that does like a bit of research in the wendigo even though the research she does is is okay her execution of it is flawed let's say that and it could get a certain character killed that I know most people hate, but I don't, which is Emily. Uh, two characters killed. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That I is hate true. Emily. I hate Emily. Mm. I, I, I know. I know I'm going to be the dumbest advocate here, but I actually really enjoyed Emily as a character. Okay, look, look. I don't want to flat right now, right? Personality-wise, Emily sucks. Like, mm. I won't renegade on that much, right? But her actions involving the narrative of the other game, no, she pulled her weight. Like, she definitely earned a spot on my list on top just for her actions, right? Fuck her personality. Yeah, it's, it's garbage. I'm not going to cap on that. Personality, but uh, <laughs> that ass, though. Wait, hold on, Chief. <laughs> Throw her in the trash, please. Oh, <laughs> uh, you want to put her in a grinder, man. Hold on, relax. Well, uh, you can do that in the game, so that's kind of yeah. satisfying. I see her death, too. I'm like, damn. Why does she have, like, the most violent deaths, too? I was like, hold the phone. It's because she's the shittiest character. You want to see the shittiest characters die for No, you see, no. Wow. Yes. Death, you know, her death was the best one for me. I'm like, good, good. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 guess I knew I was going to give you that man out on that one. Oh, go it ahead, made so? for a very interesting a couple of things actually. First, first of all, Emily. It made for a a very, should we say, interesting experience on my end. They're all locked in the safe room, quote unquote. Uh, given that I have a sister of the same name, she was literally sitting there saying, "Shoot me, shoot me, shoot me," and be done with it. So that was uh, mildly <laughs> amusing. <laughs> Yeah, that, that was mildly. Can you imagine the fucking name of the little Mexican kid with the So this podcast is not sponsored by Family Problems. Uh, just getting out, out there now. <laughs> by Ren, Family Matters. Ah, <laughs> oh, come on, man. I have to bring the Ashbridge again from the last podcast. Oh, please, God. (laughs) And uh, Matt, I'm actually going to come to Matt's defense here. I'm going to be the only one that does it, and I know I am. But for the time we we see him, I genuinely feel like he's a good, you know, he's a nice enough guy with nice enough intentions who is just constantly tret like shit by Emily. Mm -hmm. And I genuinely... I, I quite like the guy. In fact, he's actually 
third on my list of characters. I, I genuinely like him for the time we see him. It's just a shame, and we'll get onto this later with um, a question that's already here, that he's such a bastard to keep alive. <laughs> oh. I'll, get, I'll give context to that in the next question. But uh, yeah, I, I liked him. I actually did. Uh, I want to add to something to that too, actually. Um, I think if, um, if Matt doesn't jump, I don't remember where would this word trigger this particular event though, but Emily will, um, will actually, you know, express that how much she really cared about Matt. So like, it's like she didn't like him per se. It's just, um, I think it will depend on like whether you jump or not. I don't remember where though, but she definitely expresses no sorrow at the end of the game if matt goes it's another choice like that as well involving characterization because my first playthrough jess was like ready to party on and let mike get up in those guts and then uh (laughs) (laughs) what a way to put it (laughs) what a way to put it how mike is in the game i would say he's got some pretty big cojones (laughs) okay yeah um yeah and then there was another choice where it's like if you scare her uh, and they get to the cabin, then Jess will talk about how she was always insecure and that she was using her whole uh, high class bitchy attitude as a front. So I kind of enjoy choices like that being in the game where you can see like the layers of the characters and they're putting on like a facade for other people because they feel that insecure. Yeah. I was quite surprised by that too, because I didn't see that um toggle before on any other playthrough. So when I did it myself, I'm like, wow, I feel bad for banging you now. <laughs> <laughs> well, hold on. You might feel 50-50, but <laughs> <laughs> but how anyway, let's get down to business. Oh my but, god. For real though, like yeah, that was quite interesting though. It's a shame <laughs> that the game literally sidelines there to a but all to surprise a fan service thing that you see gets bodied by the window. Yeah. I mean, she's absolutely just chronically underused. She's in it for like the first quarter of the game, and then wham, gone until the very end. Would you say she's uh, more underused than Matt? Uh, no, 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 I would say she is more underused than Matt because Matt at least is actually playable in um like I think three segments of the game. Yeah, she was he was around more. Even if you don't play as him, whereas Jess, once she gets um taken by the window, go in, you see her again. Elevation, you no, know, that's it. Like, you don't see her again for a while. It's only if your your Jess is alive, of course, because if she's dead, then you won't see her again. Period. Uh, I was gonna say is that yeah. she was used as an object of of uh, what she call it, an object of like a point of view. She gets taken from the Wendigo, and you're like, what the hell's going on? What the hell is this thing? what's going on and you're playing as Mike and you're trying to you have the choices of being slow but safe or fast but dangerous type of thing and it's meant it, she is mostly used as just a carrier point of the, the supernatural elements that starts in the game and unfortunately her character moments suffer for it unfortunately but uh- I can't say she was used in vain, though, because it pretty much put Mike into a more, (laughs) no pun intended, street path here, though, because, no, you remember, he was like a horn dog, you know, kind of (laughs) obnoxious a little bit at the start of the game, right? But then he became, like, the biggest badass (laughs) by the end. 
Yeah, it, it does set him up on the path. Yes, I agree. It says him on the path of hunting down whatever took Jess. Yeah, it's it's why I honestly like him so much because he is my absolute top favorite character because he goes through probably the the most out of all characters, the most full circle story arc. He starts off as just like this carefree kind of you know essentially a dog, yeah and. Yeah, pretty and, much. And my, and my man kind of loses some of his fingers depending on your choices. Yeah, he and plus do, he yeah. fights um practically on the front lines against the Windigos more than on one. So like, you know, he earns his stripes. Like, I cannot mm -hmm. hate Mike. You know, his, his kill count is like higher than anyone else. Exactly. And of course, his weapon of choice is pretty badass. Honestly, it was totally, when I first saw it, I was like, this is definitely an Evil Dead reference. I'm just gonna say it right there. Just the whole Mike seg segment felt like an Evil Dead of just Ash going through the asylum. That's exactly how I felt. I'm not sure if anybody else got those vibes. Uh, well, since we're on these two characters, though, um, did anybody else go first, of course? I don't wanna, like, actually cut anyone off on that. No, go on once. I think that's it. Twice. All right. So now, why is um Mike and Sam your favorite character? <laughs> that's what I want to ask. Uh. Uh, I I think it's just due to the fact that they are on the front lines the most, and in terms of like heroics, they are probably number one in terms of like just being out there and doing things. It's like it's kind of a shame because I do wish that everyone got like equal amounts of screen time, but when you compare it to those two and the charisma they have like in the beginning, um now there is that thing where Sam is like in the bathtub a little bit, but she still like has those cool moments at the end of the game and that kind I of mean stuck out a little bit more. I mean, the fact that she was running around escaping um, Josh, the serial killer, in a bathrobe right there, that's like, okay, that's cool. I'm not going to cap on that with her. Or, or like, when ignore, ignore the fan service, though. She managed to hold that towel up for a long time. Like, I felt like it was more of like an actual, like, she is trying to survive. Like, they just put her in this situation. Like, in this situation where she has no clothes, she just has this bathrobe, she's going to fucking book it. But I was, Mike was trying I, to look for a reason. Oh, I was like, I didn't really feel like it was fan service either. At first, I was kind of like, why? But at the same time, like, are you not gonna like get to the cabin and take a shower after a long trip out there? And you're not, or take a bath, whatever. But well, you're not gonna like, expect like to get chased or whatever when you're having a good. I think the developers actually admit it's like that scene was meant to be like you no know, the cliche trope of a woman or guy depending on you know the movie taking a bath and shit happens right either they get killed yeah. or whatever right so they pretty much mm -hmm. took that um trope and subverted it where she actually you know does her own thing Friday 13th it's a lot yeah, of Friday 13th a good example yeah. of that I look at Sam in a in a kind of where the reason I like her so much is because I'm going to go for a comparative argument here. Out of all the lady characters of the cast, she's the most level-headed and the most competent. She's very analytical. She keeps it cool. She's very methodical at times as well, and she's that all feeds into her, you know, leadership qualities. Whereas compared to her counterparts, um, Jess, we don't see enough of. Um, and Emily is just 
the personality you know, why she's obnoxious as shit. Yeah, you know, yeah. simple. I mean, comparatively to the other three, she really is the the strongest female character, and just it's very, very. She's got those leadership qualities, hasn't she? Yeah. Uh, also, I mean, my... we don't see much at the beginning, but you know. yeah. Not too I much. might add to that she, uh, she puts Mike's um in check. Um, I think um two times, I believe. Like once with the um, old man, tell her like to you know cool it, let him explain, and another time with the um. Uh, I think it was, um, if you try to shoot, um, Emily. So, like, she, she mm. keeps him a check along with, um, everyone else. Mostly due to the point that she's the most compassionate of the characters. And it shows because they set it up to where she's, like, going around. She's, like, appreciating nature. She's, like, trying to feed a squirrel and all that segment. Like, they easily set her up as, like, she's the most compassionate one and she's the most caring of all of the group. And she genuinely cares for even some of the people who are dicks or complete assholes or bitches. And she still cares. I'm like, you're still a human being. Like, if you die, that's awful. And that's one of the things I kind of like about Sam the most is that he's compassionate to no, to no matter what. This is a survival situation and we need to get out of here. And I really like that about her. That's true, though. But also another thing I want to point out, too, is um, her stats. Like, she's literally the most neutral with um, character stats uh, with everyone. Like, she's not mm -hmm. favorite with one or the other, though, un unless you're actually they take that. But that's, like, post-mortem, right? She's literally the most neutral there, right? So I think that kind of shows uh, what this Austin said, too. Yeah, like yeah. Her, her compassion was mentioned for a moment there. You really do see that in the in the credits as well, depending on some of the choices you have made. There's a there's a moment in the credits that I got where she pretty much says, "You know, I was I was there for Josh. He was my friend. He used to come to me. I I thought we had a connection, and I really guess I was wrong about that. So it shows that she does care about people, even Josh. After all, he puts people through. Yeah, and um, there was one more thing I'd say. Oh, uh, freaking Hannah and Beth. <laughs> since since we haven't talked about either of them, um, or the stranger as as the other point. But um, Hannah and Beth, even though they're they're just they're the setup for the eventual like they're the prologue setup. Um, they genuinely like like in character wise, Hannah being how she was and how they treated her was was super like disgusting and vile the way that beth and sam care for her so much even though we have beth as her sister but the way that they care for hannah is heavily like inspired of like actual friendship and i know josh like when you read the notes for josh it's like he was so torn up about his sister's uh deaths like he was like this this is one of the reasons why he had to go into therapy and how he became how he was, but like it just oh, shows correction just... actually. He was like that beforehand if you um yeah. read the one of the diaries. Yeah, I was in so yeah. those things like he, he was messed up, but the, their deaths like push him to the edge because he blames everyone for their deaths and that's why he does what he does to them. But then the whole twist happens of the Wendigos and that completely like oh yeah you know about Josh yeah uh we have bigger issues 
But no, like, uh, like I said, like, Hannah and Beth, character-wise, like, I really liked them for even though how short they were in it. Like, I felt like Hannah was this shy, cutesy, nerdy girl. And to be frank, she was probably one of the most attractive, like, characters in the game, I had to say. Like, I, like they picked a really, like, good, like, uh, what you call it, like, a really good, um actress for the character and i thought like eh, they should have either tried at least to make her slightly like less attractive but i guess they couldn't but yeah that's just my two cents on it 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 makes for a jarring contrast when this you know really attractive young lady has essentially transformed into this horrific murderous killing machine and is just ripping off limbs and tearing off heads left right and center it's uh, I I found that to be quite the, because you see plenty of pictures of Hannah throughout the game, and it's like, wow, she was put through all this, and now she's turned into this horrendous, but by circumstance and tragedy, into this horrendous monstrosity, and is just literally tearing people limb from limb. It was, it was a pretty immense contrast for me. And it actually felt pretty effective. Like, out of all the Wendigos as well, she seems to be the most identifiable one. Because, correct me if I'm wrong, she is noticeably taller than a few of the other Wendigos, right? As well yeah, as the she's definitely one the, the strongest one there, despite technically being the youngest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just, shows. Just like. I- I think yeah. it's more. I think it's because either a she was special, I'm like, or that, or uh, she was filled with um hate and um anger given the circumstances. Because no, she did survive the fall actually, and then over time, no, she ate her sister's corpse and then became a Winnicott, right? But yeah. if you um catch the notes, um, like bef- I think before um into the mines or whatever, and then during when you meet up with um with Mike again at Sam. Uh, and before you meet Josh, right? Like, there's a little, a uh, little notepad thing that she, um, she wrote down uh, her thoughts, notes, and all that um, jazz. Like, it shows a little bit more of Hannah as a character without, you know, her being on screen as a, you know, normal person. I I found the diary, um, in the mines. Yeah, she's basically having to to write down or she writes about the fact that she's just she's just eaten her sister and she's had to do it because the, she doesn't say it openly but she alludes to it and i i actually found that genuinely unsettling i mean we're looking at it from an outsider perspective but you can't even begin to comprehend being put in that position can you in a real life scenario it's horrendous <laughs> it's pretty horrendous so yeah yeah <laughs> That's not the first time a game did this either. Like I, I, I know it's diverging a little bit, but I remember um, Mr. Grimm's like sort of story for Twisted Metal Black and how he had to eat his own comrade and sort of monologue about it. And I'm like, um, this is extremely messed up. And and that was the same case for this diary as well. And until dawn, so as well done as it is, it is very screwed up. Uh, but anyone else on this question? I guess we can move on to uh, favorite and least favorite segments within the entire experience. So uh, mines are going to be easy, I guess. 
I would actually say that some of the cabin segments with Jess and Mike, I thought that took a little bit way too long for Lee's favorite. Because it's like, I know you guys want to smash, you want to smash and jam, and then you want to, I don't know, wrap yourself in condom wrappers, just go ahead and do that. It took like about a few minutes before we finally got to the action, and then uh, that's when the tragic event happened of just being taken, but I thought it took like way too long. Uh, my favorite moment has to be obviously what probably everyone's going to say here. There might be differing answers, but I think the sanatorium where you're in there with Mike and uh, there's like thousands of Wendigos and one of you. And it's, it's quite a trippy experience. Like there's so much stuff that goes on in there. That's yeah. kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's probably going to be most people's favorite, but one, one I, the one I would mention is uh, the survival of Chris when him and the stranger go out to hunt for the Wendigo. And then, even if you do or don't complete the freaking quick time event of staying still as Chris to get the stranger kill, because he dies no matter what, unfortunately. It's such a cool moment of running back to the cabin as Chris, and you're just fucking with a shotgun blasting the Wendigo back. It's just, it's probably my favorite moment, other than uh, freaking uh, Mike with the dog, if you get the dog on your side. Or, or that part might not be cool if you choose to shoot Ashley and then his head comes off like a Lego. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, is, that is the most, but like, like, I think nine times out of ten, most people chose to, for Chris to sacrifice himself than Ashley, to be honest. Or, or was indecisive. Uh, shit. I usually just, I think my first choice instinctively was to shoot Chris or for him to shoot himself because it feels like at that point when I was playing the game that's something he would do considering that um he had the text from Ashley seeing the lover and all that stuff so I figured he would sacrifice himself uh be selfless and do that uh yeah. that's why he kind of got in house and he was safe from then I was like oh well, thank god yeah that yeah. right there could also qualify as a uh, one of my least favorite segments though if you shoot like Ashley for the um for the region you just said, right? Mm -hmm. Despite the fact that she pleads um that you shoot her, right? Like she already says it, um, if you in the gun yourself, right? Despite the fact that um that can happen, she still gets mad at you and locks you out though. Like that right there was I think honestly poor writing on the developer's part. Which they just is why wanted to kill somebody off. like Ashley. <laughs> they they wanted to kill somebody off and, and that yeah. was the way to do it. I was like, yeah. God damn. I had Mike's reaction in that scene. It's like, Chris, what the fuck? What happened? It's like, yeah. you just left him out there. Jesus. But, uh, to ask the question, I guess, um, my fa least favorite, though, uh, that's kind of hard because some segments do drag on more than need to. and doesn't help that you can skip cutscenes either. Uh, uh, I probably will go with you, your choice, Renegade, uh, with the... Um, the cabin? Yeah, get to the cabin. So that, that did drag on quite a bit. It took a while. I was like, you gotta do the snowball stuff, then you gotta inspect the uh, deer that was eaten, even though I, I did, like, really enjoy that scene for tension, and then you gotta uh, talk more to Mike about Emily and their past relationships, and you had to do it, like, twice, and I thought that took way too long. I was like, yeah, they have some girlfriend troubles. They broke up. We can move on from this and just get to the boinking, and, uh, that took like a while. 
I mean, to be fair, that scene or that series of or that segment leading up to the the cavern itself is pretty much the only time Jess gets any reasonable screen time. So if if you trim that down, she'd almost be non-existent. I, I'm I'm totally agreeing with your point. I do completely agree with it taking a hell of a long time, and it was tedious. But mm. if we cut it out, you'd barely see Jess at all. I I feel like maybe they could have remedied that by having that section happen later and having them have that tension at the cabin at first because while it was some uh, bitching stuff going on there, it, it was very interesting. It, it was a very interesting segment of uh, Ashley and Emily sort of going at it. And I kind of wanted to see a little bit more of that. But we we didn't get it, so it was like it was a couple of uh things where they could have had the group stay together a little bit more. But I understand for pacing wise, they had to get to the point. Right, well, actually, um, hmm? I forgot to uh, mention my favorite segments. Actually, uh, that was one's obviously one one with um Mike in the sanatorium, but the other two uh would be that would be Emily's Mines because it actually reminded me of area in Resident Evil. It feels like a legit Resident Evil area where you actually um can't go that way, right? So you must go to another path to, that leads back to this area that you need to go to, right? And then go back down and vice versa and all that jazz, right? It just legit felt like a Resident Evil area. And I do like Sam's segment when she has to run away from um Josh because it's literally a game of hide and seek and um whatever else you, you can do um just to get away from him. Also, someone but, was tapping buttons? Yeah, awesome. Yeah, we can hear that. Uh, so anyone else? Yeah, um, I just want to... You go fast. You go fast. Go ahead. <laughs> um, I was just going to say, um, my, I think, not, like, least favorite and most favorite parts are a little different. Uh, my least favorite part, just because it gave me so much anxiety and I didn't have to deal with this, like, before uh, in a game at the time that I played it, was when you had to choose whether or not to off Ashley um and then I did hate the fact that she did get mad at you later on but um I just felt really like it was a really nerve-wracking moment for me I feel like and I I feel like I don't know I feel like if I didn't have to get through the game I would have spent so much time on that just trying to like figure out whether or not this would have been a good idea um I also think my favorite part was probably when you find out that Josh was the person behind like all of the all of the stuff that was going on before the second half of the game just because it was kind of a plot twist like you think I feel like at the beginning you just think that you know there's this like actual killer that's going after everybody and I kind of thought that it was clever how he sat how he set everything up for uh everyone because he's like yeah you guys like got my sister's kill i needed to get back at you or whatever but um i don't know i just thought it was interesting i thought it was kind of clever you know something though um his plan kind of gets you know spoiled ahead of time if you choose to save um josh over ashley because um, yeah, I, I, yeah. Remember, I remember correctly uh, he will step out anyway and um and i forgot the rest of the context though but i do remember him just stepping out right after if you choose to um take ashley Ashley's life or um Josh's. From what I but, remember, if you if you pick 
Josh. No, no, no. It's not him. If you pick Ashley, the circular saw would actually go towards her, but it would go back to Josh or whatever. He still dies no matter what. That's, okay, okay. That's yeah. Right. yeah, that's, that's right. right. So that right there is like a... Yeah, that's a red flag right there that something's going on. Yeah, it's it's they sort of try to hide it to like oh you chose the wrong person like oh I want to save Josh and you switch to Ashley and it's like oh you choose to save Ashley or if you choose to hit Josh like oh, I want Josh to die and you choose Josh it's like oh yeah whatever they try to hide it but you can you can notice it if you if you think about it for a quick second like wait did I do that wrong or is the is this supposed to be a ploy and if you think about it you, you you'll instantly realize that it's yeah elaborate that you made the trap in the first place yeah it, it's it really seems like there was like it was a set in place that it it, it's, it didn't seem real type of thing like why would they make you choose to kill somebody when at the beginning of the game it kind of sets up to where like oh all these people can survive or die by your hand so i don't know i felt like yeah go ahead i was just gonna say it would be physically impossible for the first half of the game to actually play out if there was a conceivable way for him to survive with the way it's written because you would, in theory, have him with you almost throughout the entirety of the first half of the game. So he wouldn't be able to set a lot of his tricks, traps, and, you know, scenes into motion, essentially. But it, it, but by proxy of doing that, that's right, it does give a massive red flag. So, yeah. All they had to do was really check the machine and see if he was back there. I understand they were shocked, though, so I'm gonna let that pass, but honestly, if they expected the body, then they would have found out immediately. Uh, maybe, honestly, but that's it's not like um, most people reaction is check the body, you know, because no, if you see someone get chopped in half like that, you, best guess is now you're dead. Like, why would you go touch it, right? Like, you want to get away from that scene as far as possible, right? Yeah, uh, but... I, I, think it's, I, do, I do think it's actually a realistic reaction, though. But, like, given any other circumstances, though, yeah, somebody, if someone did go out of the way to check and see, like, what's going on, they could have slapped his face or whatever, and he would have flinched. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like that plan, it's just to me, I can buy it, but that plan would have went wrong if it was, like, someone who was, like, immediately just there checking or whatever, looking around the area to make sure something was going on. He would have been spotted eventually, but I, I kind of, awesome. I kind of dug it. I dug the tricks that they made in that one. Oh, another thing too is um also um the intestines he used, right? Because if I remember correctly, though, pig intestines do have a distinct smell from uh, like humans, for example, right? Yeah. So like, you no, know, granted, though, you wouldn't know that either way, though. But I'm saying like, it's a hypothetical, right? You know, if you know like know that, right? Or I sense whatever, you realize like something's not right here. Why does this smell like a pig? You know? Yeah. The the whole point was mentioned a moment ago about about maybe somebody should have checked and we wouldn't have had this scenario to begin with. Mm-hmm. If you, when Ashley and um, freaking, oh God, how Chris? the hell have I forgotten his name? Yes. Chris, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, when they bump into Matt and Emily, 
and then pretty much tell them, you know, about what has happened, Emily actually says, maybe we should go back and check and see for sure and find out what the hell has gone on. And Matt says no. So she does actually mention, maybe we should check. And Matt says, no, we should just stay as far away from there as possible. That was yeah, a, it's is a piece of a... throwaway dialogue, but it's there. Yeah, which is also not also not unrealistic reaction again, given like the circumstances though. But it, I didn't I didn't realize that either until you mentioned it, because I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. I did pick that dialogue choice. Yeah, that was very interesting. I did not remember that, but that's like more insight. The more you know. Mm-hmm. So, anyone else on this question before we move on to the next one? Just one thing to add because I, I believe my internet cuts out when you started this question. Mm-hmm. So, um, I genuinely found it's going to be up there in favorites. The sanatorium's up there in the top, but another honorable mention, I'm going to agree with Brendel here, is actually the mines as Emily. It, it goes a long way to feeling deeply unsettling. Like you feel very vulnerable down there, and even though you're essentially only running away from one Wendigo, let's be honest, one Wendigo is all it really takes. So, I mean, you you're definitely not gonna screw around with one of them and last for more than three and a half seconds, are you? So, yeah, it's the, the dread, the dread of dying, and that is down there, but you don't know where it is. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very effective. Very effective. I can't really, as well, outside of the mention of the trek to the cabin going on too long, really think of another segment that I honestly dislike because they all serve a reasonable purpose and are all put together fairly well and they all they all weave together well enough so i've i've got a pretty low bar there so yeah anyway just just my take on it yeah i'm going to agree with that actually um besides some of the uh, cutscenes being super long um pretty much everything had a purpose so there wasn't really anything i completely disliked at all Yeah, I still didn't okay. completely dislike it, but the uh, the end sequence where you're having to hold the controller still for like five minutes—that's <laughs> that's another beast entirely. Like, why they took it out the future games? <laughs> it's it's oh, not yeah. that I want to remove, but I, I guess we could touch on it now. It's just that there's no possible way that holding that thing as a human. You could be, you could have the sort of strength of a Buddhist monk. I still <laughs> got like a character kill from that. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, so, I, I just put, I, I put a controller on my leg or put it on my desk when it pops up. You yeah, got to put it down. You can't do it normally. It's nowhere. Uh, yeah, you can though, but yeah. like, it's just, just like if you make this slight twitch, whatever. Like, it's so sensitive to it's, the touch. It's, like, it's, it's kind of there's no room for error. It's too human. You gotta move or something. I like. I I stopped breathing literally for like the end <laughs> segment. I was like, maybe this will work. I was like, nope. Characters don't die. <laughs> I, I did nope. the same thing. Yeah. Like like I naturally shake, so I, I I messed up so many times in that end sequence. <laughs> I think I I think what I did was I 
I feel like I rested my hands like on the table because I naturally shake too. I think I rested my hands on the table while holding the controller. Yeah. I, I think, think it also <laughs> it also happened again with uh, Chris in the woods with a stranger. I'm like, hold on, I, I'm going to try to do this legit, not moving or anything. And he stepped on okay. the branch. I'm like, damn it. Okay, that has like no consequence because the same thing will happen anyway if you didn't um, step on it. So like, at least you, at least you'll be fine with that one though. The only yeah. one that has consequences, um, to my recollection, is um, with. Uh, See, wasn't it Jess and um, Matt at the I mean, end? If you fail that one, though, those two would, are dead. Like, Barnard, if you, and if then... you fail it once, it kills Jess. If you fail it twice, it kills Matt. No, if you fail it just once, it kills both of them. Uh, are you sure? Because I remember. Uh, yeah, it is. Failed... It's, uh, yeah, it's literally just one shake. If you mess it up, they're both done. I literally just did it. <laughs> oh, like that. I, wow. I can promise you that much. Okay, I think if you make if you make it far enough with them though, um, Jess will get killed, and Matt has to do a bunch of button presses, quick time events. Oh yeah, you talking about himself. um going straight down though, right? I'm talking about hiding. If you just literally just hide, no. Yeah, so hide, and if you get far enough, and then you go to the last one. Uh, if you fail it, Jess dies, but Matt has a chance to living, but he can fall to his death if you're not careful. That sounds funny. <laughs> yeah, I believe I've seen that happen before on somebody's playthrough. So uh, number like eight, these. number uh, eight, we have to sort of like elaborate on that. So some of the choices in the game, uh, do you think it makes characters harder to kill or save than other ones? Uh, uh, you can go ahead, Silver, because no, you yeah. kind of went first and I interjected. I'm oh, sorry, sorry. I was just going to quickly add to the previous bit very, very fast and then move on to this. Um, yeah, the bit with Sam in the lodge near the end, I breathed a single half breath and got her killed. <laughs> half That's all it breath. Takes. That's all it takes. It got her <laughs> that was it. But anyway, I did ask for this question specifically. And goodness me, have I got a point to start this on. Matt. In the chapter where he has most of his game time, the game throws so many potential options and ways to get him killed ridiculously easy. Mm. And it can even link into things that other characters have done in previous chapters. Like, for one, the, uh, the deer, they can get him killed. <laughs> There's mm. about three different ways to get him killed when the, the tower falls as well. And in the minecart, there's another key. I think there's another QT on top of that where if you fail it, he falls off the edge of a cliff and breaks his neck. I think in the space of about half an hour's worth of gameplay, the game throws about five or six very, very easy ways to get him killed at you. And the whole flare gun thing on the tower. It's so convoluted because I wanted to actively keep him alive. I do quite like him, as I mentioned earlier. And I honestly looked at a guide to make sure I got this right. And the guide said, oh, yeah, all you have to do is take the flare gun from Emily and then you can try and save her. And then when he's in the mines, he'll be able to fight off the Wendigo that grabs him. And he'll be safe. No, it doesn't even work that way. 
you first have to disagree with Emily coming to the tower in the first place, because if you don't, he will choose to fire the flare gun because he's trying to summon help, which will... Sorry, my mic cut out for a second there. Which will then get him killed when he goes into the mine because he's fired his one self-defense round and he gets impaled on a hook. <laughs> it, it's it's that convoluted. Why he just to just leave Emily and just jump the fuck off? <laughs> to be fair, I did that in my second playthrough, and I I preferred doing it that way. And then on I the mean, flip side, there is it's the only way, honestly. Yeah, I'm. I'm not gonna hog this question. I'm gonna open it up after this tiny little point. But there are some characters which I'm sure you'll all agree. You have to actively try to kill them. It takes that much effort. <laughs> like some of them are very hard to kill. Yeah, yeah give or take. So. Yes, but actually, I have one to um point out too. Actually, I, this is making me sound weird though. But hear me out. I think Josh is actually hard to keep alive as well, but it's more fifty-fifty. Mm-hmm. Only because if you do not pick up that diary or notepad, whatever the fuck it was in the mines that um that um shows what happened or tells what happened with um Hannah, Josh is dead. If you do not examine it, Josh will die. Yep. Yeah. There's yep, no yep. other way yeah. to save him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's like say it's if you replay the game, right? You don't remember that, or you don't go out your way to do it, whatever, and you want all survivors, you fuck yourself practically. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So that's why I would say he's definitely a contender for keeping for hardest to keep alive for you know for that. Yeah, because also... good. Oh, go ahead. No, go. On. It's I, fine. I was gonna I was gonna say um it's hard because this happened. It leads into the next question, but it, it is true for this. Uh, it was hard to find out where the diary was at first because like first playthrough, you're not gonna be like searching for. You're gonna be trying to find notes, but uh routinely speaking anything that's hard to see you're not gonna be able to pick that up originally unless you get lucky uh so i didn't see it at first and then when the wendigo dragged away mike i thought mike was gonna die but then it just killed like josh squished his head and i was wondering like what the hell was going on with the whole tattoo thing because that was uh showing up in the flashback as well and apparently it's because you have to read that diary find out what's going on and then he sees the tattoo, says Hannah, and it spares him. If that doesn't happen, then his head is going to be squished like a grape and a tamale put together in a blender. You know what's wild, too? Even... If, oh, real, oh, if Emily sorry, dies yeah. by the Wendigo, too, um, you actually see the tattoo there as well. So it kind of like spoils it ahead of time if you let Emily die at mines. Interesting. Mm-hmm. A little foresight there. I like that. Go ahead, yes. Oh, I was just going to say, I don't remember that. Or, well, because I think I uh, I haven't played the game since it first came out, but I'm pretty sure I saved Josh because once you notice, like, the, I remember noticing the tattoo and being like, huh. But I, I didn't know that his head gets, like, squished like that. That's. Yeah. But to get the diary for the path, though, you literally had to go left and you'll see another platform there, which, if. Which this is kind of the game's um fault actually. If you um don't pay attention to the like the little twinkles, like pretty much interactables, you wouldn't notice that there's a platform available to climb up on or like totems to pick up. I really think that the, I think that's because I'm the type of person that likes awesome, to explore dude. a lot. So I'm kind of just like maybe that's what kind of helped me. 
totems uh, have just been mentioned in the chat. Uh oh. I'm, I'm only going to quickly link into this. Do you know how you said that the diary is off the hidden path? Yeah. Or is 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 on a hidden path? Sorry, wrong way around. The the totems are often the same. They the game will always put the totems off the you know the path that you're encouraged to go down which makes them harder to find. So that's another instance of, of the game doing that. And 70% of the time, they are always out of your direct line of sight. You will have to go and look for them. And if you've already got a particularly tense scene playing out, it's pretty damn hard to... Well, you're not going to distract yourself from the very tense scene to go and find a totem, are you? Right, I'm going to be fair, though. Like, if you don't go out of your way to explore, then that's also kind of on you. But is this mm-hmm. also on me um, that I go out of my way to go the opposite direction of what the game wants me to go to see if I can find anything? Mm-hmm. You know, so what? I, it, it will vary on the person though. But I, I get what you're saying there, though. I have mm-hmm. a I have a good question. Um, mm-hmm. Has anyone found a totem on the ground and they managed to either have some foresight about what went on or prevent a death? Because I don't think that I did in my first playthrough at all. The only one that honestly I really pay attention to is when Mike get really get grabbed by Winnego in this um in the um, hospital ward thing. Yeah, yeah, that's the only one that you no know, that mattered because I was like, oh, something's going to happen here, and then I saw the button, and then, yeah, that's the only one that played an impact on me. Everything else is like, if you've seen a Delta you already know it's going to happen anyway, right? So. Yeah, but the first time it was like Vegas shit. I I think the only one that was kind of like clear was the one you mentioned. Everything else was like, I didn't see it coming at all. So I don't know if this system is like great or if it's just like there and it's supposed to give the player some sort of like vision or whatever. And then they got to figure it out or something like that, because it never like does what it intended, which is like it tries to warn you some things. But if you don't know the particular scene or route to go, then it's kind of a problem. I say like, I find yeah. it kind of pointless because no, they're premonitions though for starters though because you're not gonna know what's gonna happen until it actually happens. So it's like deja vu in a way. But <laughs> I find it kind of pointless though because like it doesn't contribute to anything. Like because once you see the scene though, you realize oh yeah, that's a totem. All right, then move on with my life, right? Yeah. It'd be one thing if you like had like a riddle or subscription thing or like you know, like keeping it like keeping it vague though, but making it like you know as a point of reference to watch out for this particular event. Otherwise, this could happen. Or this will not happen to you. That kind of deal. That's kind of the thing, though. It's like, since there's no hint or anything, and even keeping it vague as possible, it's still kind of hard to, like, figure out what route to take in order to get, like, certain outcomes until you actually, like, beat the game. But I kind of like the whole butterfly effect system. It's just that I wish maybe they could have played with it a little bit more and say, like, um, you know, give some foreboding Native American warning in some weird language that's hard to decipher, but it's there. Like, uh, this is why I like Resident Evil 2 Remake, because, you know, to find things in the environment, you got to read what's going on and maybe you could find some things uh relevant to what's going on before the scene happens. I don't know. It's just maybe like like you said it's pointless so you just see it you move on but they could have did something more with it i agree they could have done more with it i mean <laughs> some of them are, are so vague that even with the help of the totems and sometimes even on a second playthrough with you know 
ha- been been informed potentially you wouldn't see some of them coming i've got another ex well two examples here and uh what sorry chat just gave me a giggle there um <laughs> one of them is chris one of chris's deaths is so unbelievably vague there's a moment after before you you know you're about to go into the sewers where you're at the part where ashley can hear jess's voice there's a moment where he lags back and he's pretty much like you know i'm 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 bugging out i'm exhausted i just need to stop and catch my breath for a moment that's a singular choice right there and it's pretty harmless or so you'd think if ashley says no we're sticking together he comes with you if he doesn't he lags back for 10 seconds a wendigo grabs him that's it he's done <laughs> that, that's one of them and another one is in the mines right at the very end um again i'm, I'm i feel bad for the guy it's matt again the mo- if you've got jess alive if you've got if you've got jess alive in the mines and and matt as well there's a brief moment where they meet up with each other and she pretty much lunges at him with, I think it's a rock or something, because she doesn't know who it is. It's a single QTE. It's literally a single one-button press QTE, and if you miss it, miss it, she smashes his skull in with a rock and kills him. <laughs> Just like that, Matt is Matt's gone. Brutal Like I heard that, and I. <laughs> I will I will stand by coming to this guy's defense because he really does just get brutalized and I Yep, I'm I'm coming to his defense. Okay, <laughs> the funniest like choice. He's, <laughs> oh, he's not a bad character though. Like, that's not necessarily the issue, it's just how they handle him. Like when he's around though, like you mentioned, he could die in the most worst way possible. But yeah. <laughs> when he's not around, it's like not... he's irrelevant to literally at the ass end of the game. I'm not I'm not saying that anybody has said he's bad at all. No, it's just he's He's underutilized, isn't he? He really is underutilized, mm-hmm. and that's what makes it sad. <laughs> I enjoy Matt, yeah. but he's he's a punching bag in terms of like the deaths. Like he has the most brutal ones, except for like maybe maybe some of the ones with Emily, because I thought the Wendigo like gouging out her eyes was pretty brutal. I find the grinder one more disturbing, honestly. Which ones? The grinder. Uh, if you fail to jump over the grinder, if you go up to the little um, conveyor belt, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, sh- she falls in and her legs gets crushed though, but the rest of her body doesn't. So you see the upper half of her body and her expression, and like it's kind of it's unsettling. They <laughs> like she's just getting like constantly like just jostled around. It's brutal. They they really honed in on the gore. I I have to give that applause. I really liked it. Um, I also thought that the funniest scene was, well, the funniest choice rather, was when you read the Wendigo lore and they sort of have that sort of situation with, uh, Emily and the gun. And it's like, oh, well, you know, you could turn from being bitten and people were like, no, 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 that's not the case. And then they had that argument and you could choose to pop Emily in the head with uh, Mike. <laughs> and I thought it was even more hilarious when they were like, uh oh, Spadettios, we we fucked up. You don't get it from bites. That that part was hilarious to me. I don't know. Yeah. Oh no, you could get it from a bite. <laughs> choose choose to kill them or not. <laughs> 
oh yeah, we should probably check it in the book. <laughs> yeah, and then they find out later they screwed hey, up. You, you know what annoys bad, me Emily. about that scene? Um, no. as um Ashley though, you can choose whether to tell the truth or not. So I'm like, she's she's just being deceptive on purpose too. Like, God damn. Yeah, she it. had such an evil face when you had to make that decision. I was like, right? oh my god, a bitch. <laughs> You gotta lie, cheat, and steal. What's what happened there? <laughs> uh, but before we move on, any other questions about like easy choices or hard choices before we move uh, on to first playthrough stuff? Uh, <clears throat> a very small question, just a very small add-on. Good. Do you do you guys think any particular characters get a a bit more plot armor and leniency in, in the yes. ways of oh yeah, yeah like yes, you'd I have to Sam. over and over <laughs> again. <laughs> Sam has the most plot armor in the game, dude. Yeah, yeah, especially in Centorium though, because like okay, so if you run through it, Mike though, obviously, um, you don't have to shoot most of the Windigos in the cells, right? Unless you mess up a kit to eat. like you could literally get through that without wasting any shot um shots than necessary, right? And all that is literally honestly because of the plot army has there. And you see, I wouldn't know that because I actively try and keep him. And a quick add-on as well: the dog must survive. The mm. dog. If 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 the dog dies, I will exit out the game and reload. The dog well, must survive. <laughs> I yes. think the only way for the dog can die, to my recollection, if you don't barricade the door, if you um leave the door unbarricaded, that's when it dies. Oh Ooh. yeah, yeah, I remember that part. Like. Well, I, I never left the door unbarricaded at all because I'm like, no, fuck that. But I right. remember, I remember seeing a choice where someone didn't, and then Mike would turn around and say, "Hey, boy, you know, um, I'll see you later or whatever." And then the window go just gets it. I like, holy shit! <laughs> so that that was pretty. That was cool, but that was also messed up at the same time. Poor dog. See you later, boy. In hell. Sad. I'll see um, you later, boy. I, I'm having a little meal right now. <laughs> Bless. It's a shame they never see it again, though. Okay, just open leaves and like, damn. That's just... <laughs> I wish I had a moment with Mike. He's like, hey, it's that dog. Okay. Uh, I knew someone was gonna bring up <laughs> RE4. I fucking knew it. <laughs> I was gonna say something, but kept it to myself. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> huh. Going once, going twice. Oh, so I think we can move on. Uh, so this ties into one of the next questions, and then we're gonna backtrack to question number seven because I don't think we answered that one. So for number nine, speaking of character deaths, let's be honest: who died on your first playthrough without looking up a guy? Oh, no one. So. Technically, uh-huh. technically, <laughs> yeah. I believe only Jess, I think only Jess died in my playthrough. Maybe Chris, but I can't remember for sure. Um, But the only reason <laughs> that was the case was because um, anytime someone died <laughs> <laughs> i turned off my playstation oh wow oh, okay. <laughs> wow technically, technically okay 
Okay, for real though, everyone died because I blew up the whole fucking house at the end. God damn, woman. (laughs) But I turned off my PlayStation and managed to get everyone to survive. So you kill someone, we we one time, and then fix a problem. Yeah, I think the only person that I I think I only actually did it two or three times though, uh, because well, the last time obviously because everyone died, and then the first time it was uh, who was it? It was ah <laughs> oh, shit, I forgot his name. Oh my god, who was the black character? Matt. Matt. Okay. Yeah. When he said, yo, he said that, and I was. I yeah. Mean, yeah. He see, he's so forgettable. <laughs> he died, and I said, oh, "No, fuck no. He has to survive. He has to survive." <laughs> he saved them, though. There you go. So we know that Des's best friend is uh Well, her best friend is called TNT, right? Because mm-hmm. she blew up that house. Power button on the PlayStation. <laughs> 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 I'm trying to think of the people who... Okay, so, because the hold the controller thing, I I wanted to do it legit. I thought I was, like, a monk from Mortal Kombat Shaolin Monks. And it didn't work out so well. I got Sam killed. Let's see. Who else? Just died because... I don't know why I was, like, so done with Mike and I decided to take the safest path. Clearly, that was not a good idea because she ended up on the elevator shaft with, like, no jaw. Like, she was straight from a porno so that happened and then um who else i got killed my man jesus christ (laughs) i'm sorry uh and then someone else died i think josh died those were the only three sam josh and uh jess that's it my first playthrough was pretty dreadful i'm not gonna lie everybody but mike sam and ashley died (laughs) Oh my gosh. How'd you get him off? Chris died because of Ashley being a bitch. Chris Chris died because my partner was sat next to me at the time, and I still remember this clearly to this day. The Wendigo lunged. She's she screamed because she was shocked, tapped me on the shoulder, said, Shoot, shoot, I aimed the wrong way, misfired, and he got his head pulled off. (laughs) (laughs) And 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 she was genuinely apologetic for like the next ten minutes because she really liked Chris. She was so sad. I would be mad too. She pulled my concentration. (laughs) You died because of God basically pulling on his shoulder. Mm. It just wasn't meant to be. No. Pretty much. Uh, (laughs) I mean, Jess is honestly very hard to save. So you can probably understand that one. Like, I don't know if you guys ever went into it. I'm not going to dwell on this because we've already discussed it. But I don't know if you guys know just how hard she actually is to save when you go into the mechanics. Like, if yeah. you go the long way around, because I, I have tested this, if you go the long way around or miss more than... more, You've you've literally got a three strikes and you're out. If you screw up more than two QTEs or go the long way around and screw up more than, like, one, she's dead. Yep. It's that unforgiving. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Jess and like I said, everybody but Ashley, Mike, and Sam. So yeah. If I have to be completely honest, I think they made it easier for people to die in, in the uh, dark uh, anthology pictures. <laughs> no lie. 
Yes. Mm. Some. Well, you know what? Dang, I actually want to go back to that question, but I just remember something that I discovered during my um two playthroughs. Well, technically three, but I saved scum, but that's irrelevant. But uh, I guess I'll go, go back to that question after we're done here. All right. So anyone else for this question before we move on to what Brandon is saying? Oh, first playthroughs, no deaths? Um... My first play, oh, well, the first playthrough I watched, um, only who was it, Sam and was it Matt? I think died, maybe like Sam right at the end, like the quick time events. Fucked yeah, her up. That's the only time she can die, is the <laughs> yeah, end. exactly. Yeah, and then uh, and then Matt, Matt, Matt got the meat hook, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> oh, remember that part? That that's... was uh, pretty nasty. That's how we died in today's playthrough for me when I was finishing it for the podcast. I feel sorry for people at the end where they get like everybody there and then all of a sudden Mike gets like clapped or whatever. Like the explosives get detonated and everybody dies. Uh, it's crazy because how uh, Mike dies is he gets tossed around uh, injured and he's like, all right, let's get it. Break this, and then goodbye, motherfucker. Like it, but both his death and him surviving is still pretty badass. I have a question though. Um, mm. something about that end segment where it's like when he detonates the place with the lighter and everything. How is it where? Let me see. How can I phrase this? Uh. How can you have it where it's like everybody gets out safely and not have the section happen where it's like he automatically does it and they all just die? Okay. Oh, I, I'm actually going to get into that because um, that's why, why I want to go, go back on that question. Oh, lead into it. I lead into it. Well, for one, um, actually, I'm sorry for Chris though. Like Chris, um, once you um let him inside the house, he's actually safe for life in the game he cannot die at all because mm -hmm. uh why because um once you start triggering the motions of um you know standing still with the wind goes everywhere he will be the first one to leave so he's literally safe for life right after um returning to the house but um as far as like um blowing up the place though any other character that's not obviously not chris after that point and once you play a sam if you had the option to run for the switch Mike, um, Ashley, and Emily, they, they all will die. But um, if you um, say, say, save Mike the first time, um, another character will run up, which I think is Emily, right? And then again, if he goes to switch right after that, then um, Mike and um, what, the other female character will die afterwards. But nice. it is like, it's like a weird scripted type of game event there. Like, no, you have to literally wait it out for people to escape and then yeah. um yeah. sam would be the last one to leave the place yep yeah it's pretty much do you choose to sacrifice like choose to risk sam's life to save mike check get somebody out now do you choose to end the rest of the characters or risk sam's life again to get somebody out it's it's very scripted yeah, also i might add too that um if sam dies in between one of those events though mike would be the last one to flip the switch and he would be one to get sent out the um place just like what happened in the um the hospital if you um shoot the barrels 
I think they reused the animation there, but I might be wrong on that. So like, yeah, um, that whole sequence though has a lot of um, layers that can take a person living or dying. But the person that is literally the most guaranteed to survive is um, Chris. Second place might be Mike though, but that, that all depends if um, if, if you don't fuck Sam up the person. Kill him. When I just say I'm kill him though, like let's say if um, you fuck up the first Q2E with Sam. Um, if she um dies um the second one and Mike is still there though, like he will die flat out. The only one that directly because can only survive is um Chris. Yeah, team's bugs the fuck out. <laughs> and story context, story context. The souls fly out as soon as um the other Wendigos are blown up. So I assume they go into other people, or what's the deal with that? Uh, that I actually don't know what's up with that. I can actually explain that. So, like we were talking about before, with Anna having like the head honchos, like like those, like this, basically the king of the Wendigo spirit. That's why she was so much stronger as a Wendigo. Um, when you eat somebody's flesh, you basically you taint yourself to be possessed by a Wendigo. And since they're in those native, like those miners, every, all the ones that survived that ate the people, they were all exposed to the curse of the Wendigo, and they were able to they get possessed, and then they slowly transform. And that's what happens to Hannah. Is, uh, the, the stranger kills the king Wendigo, which basically fucks up the rest of the Wendigos. Unfortunately, Hannah and Bass fall down the cliff, Bath dies, and then Hannah eats her, and then so she is open for possession. That's how, it, know. That's how that's how I pretty much uh, observed and saw it. I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense to if you eat basically if you commit the sin of eating another person, you open yourself up for a possession. I might add to that it needs to be on the mountains for that to work because um, yes, it would be on the mountains. Are curse. Mm-hmm. But um, because it's native. Wait, okay. Is the question related to the prequel coming up? Uh, that is the last question, unless you want to switch around 10 and 7, and I guess we can do that if you want. I know, we're going to talk about 7 now then, because I, I didn't realize we skipped over 10. Okay, it's fine. So, what are your thoughts on the therapy session with Dr. Hill, and how that changed things within the game, depending on your reactions to his therapy session? You know what's the wildest thing, dude? The one, the Dr. Hill that you see is actually not the real one. If you look at Josh's phone... Um, the real one trying to get in t- contact with him to tell him to not do these plans at all. So the one that you see is literally all in Josh's head, obviously, or if you get to the end, right? But you wouldn't yeah. know that until you gradually um progress through the game and also get to the end. But the one key factor that will give away that is not the real one if you choose um your fear of zombies. His skin will actually um start having like a little decay look to it. So that's like first sign number one that is um you know fake Doctor Hill. He also starts teleporting around as well. I thought that was weird. Like I'm like he can't be real. He has to be either not real or supernatural. And then uh, I think I picked the fear of gore, and I saw there was like a beating heart on the table. I I was like that's pretty awesome actually that that came up in his nightmares. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else that people noticed about uh, all the changes in the therapy session? I just I also, found good. No, I just thought it was really interesting that depending on what you picked, you might see more of those things uh, in the game, like the uh, fear of scarecrows or clowns or whatever it was. You, um, some of them popped up more often in the game, which I found really interesting. Yep, I saw the fear of scarecrows as well on my playthrough. 
Yeah. Yeah, like, uh, if I remember correctly, if you choose, um, I think it's the choice if you choose if you have the fear of drowning or the fear of, of heights. But depending on which one you choose, I think if you choose the fear of drowning, you can actually hear lots of, I think there's more rain outside, and there's also, like, you can hear crashing waves in the background at some points. And I think the fear of heights, you can you basically hear a lot of wind, and you hear a lot of, like, it sounds like the, there's, like, a hurricane outside the window. Like, but it's very faint, if I remember correctly. I kind of like, like that, that they, they play on what you pick. I, I, I can't remember a game that's done that in recent memory at all. I think the closest was uh, Silent Hill Origins, but I have not played that game, so I cannot say anything about it. Uh, but mm. anyone else on the psych profile? Mm. I was going to mention one thing. It was um, it was mentioned how you have to pretty much find out facts that. Josh is essentially, you know, mentally ill, and that the doctor you see is is not the real one. You actually have to go out of your way to find that. It's um, it's pretty well hidden behind some of the gameplay, so that's that's quite missable. Yeah, I believe. Literally, gotta pick up Josh's phone to find that out. And in order to do that, you have to escape Josh when he's wearing the psychopath gets up as Sam and get into his secret room in the back, don't you? Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you don't see it. Yeah. You, you guys have also taught me something here, because probably just me being an observant in these particular instances, and probably because I picked the same phobias each time because I was going off personal phobias, because who likes, who likes needles and drowning? Um, but anyway, <laughs> I, uh, I mean, I'm a contradiction as far as needles go. Arms covered in tattoos, but if a dentist puts a needle anywhere near my mouth, that's it. <laughs> Game over. <laughs> it comes with being British. We're pathologically afraid of dentists. <laughs> but, um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. You guys anyway, got two big um, teeths. <laughs> Mm. But um, yeah, I didn't know that the the therapy session choices could change depending on the choices you made. I thought that was purely aesthetic. So until you guys told me about that, I was utterly clueless. So I might have to in a in in another playthrough just try it again, flip them around a bit, and um, see what comes up. <laughs> Yeah, when you don't uh, play the game and you watch multiple playthroughs and people choose something different, you tend to notice that. I have to keep an eye open for that one. But um, did anybody else get any indications earlier on that something was up with them? Doctor Hill, before you actually found the phone message in this, or the the phone yeah. and the messages in the secret room. Yeah, the beating heart on my desk. Like <laughs> the mm -hmm. moment I saw that, well, along with the snake and the other thing I picked in my first place, I'm like, something's not right here. What are you? <laughs> yeah, I mean that's a very good point. And again, I wouldn't have seen those because of the choices I made. So yeah, that's a very good point. Anyway, yeah, yeah. fair enough. I guess we're done here. 
friend. I think All we're right. moving on to the last one now. Alright, so someone read the final question, please. Final question. Okay, let's see. What would you like to say about the, um, the treatment of the series and how it was handled after the VR spinoffs? Do you think a real sequel should have been made or do you think Until Dawn was better as a one-off? Uh, okay, so, slight correction, the um, second VR game is actually a prequel, not a spinoff, so it's, you know, canon. We're on, like, Rush of Blood, where it's, like, you know, a shooter, a spinoff shooter. But uh, that being said, though, like, I wish it wasn't VR, I might add. I do hope they do make a sequel, though, but I think they should do more of, like, an anthology series, like how they're doing right now with the Dark Picture stuff. But if they do do a sequel, though, I hope that um, they actually explore the characters again, but, like, give them more, like, a backseat. Like, give us, like, you know, like, I don't know, like, like how they did, like, the 1952 stuff where you, you pick up clues about the characters uh, in some way, how, fashion, whatever, right, you know? I'd like to know what's happened with the characters after the fact that survived. But that being said, though, like, um, I... I w- I'd like the series had more stuff after the fact, though. Just I wish it was more like a more direct sequel or something that is more accessible instead of VR. Because, you know, not everyone will have a VR versus, you know, a standard controller, you know? But I do appreciate the prequel title um, that actually explains one important detail that happens literally at the beginning of the game. Uh, I will be happy to talk about it though if um anyone else don't care about spoilers about the game i don't, I don't care i think we're I go for deep yep. <clears throat> i mean okay i was i was no go ahead i was just gonna say please give me more insight because my my eyes aren't amazing so i can't even use vr so please by all means give me the insight okay well see the most tldr possible the main character is, um is the wendigo that um knocks hannah and beth down the on cliff and that's what the stranger kills so i think mm-hmm. that one right there was the quote-unquote head wendigo spear or whatever and that went to um hannah when she um went ape shit. interesting uh-huh. Uh, it does go in a little more detail about, I think, um, what happens in um, the, the hospital ward thing. But um, I, I don't want to go in detail that because I don't have all of the um, lore bits um, for Bradham memorized. So I won't go into that, though. But the most important thing is that um, it does set up literally the beginning of the game because your main character is the Wendigo that attacks the, um, the, uh, the two um, twins. <laughs> That's what that doesn't say. Oh, and um and that started this chain of events of a ton down, which brings back what I said earlier. Like, you know, all this is just literally a circumstance of chance or whatever, but if I flicked. So it, it literally pays homage to all that. This is why I actually give linking into, you know, actions and consequences. This is why I will actually give Josh some sympathy. Because yes, he did some horrendous, truly unforgiving uh, or unforgivable things, unforgiving and unforgivable. But at the same time, he was grieving. He was seriously mentally ill, and he also never intended for any of this to happen, did he? Mm-hmm. So I am, I am quite willing to give Josh some sympathy, and I thought he was quite likable before I found out everything that he had done, essentially. 
and above all he was not a killer and he was extremely careful to not kill anyone too like with his traps so like no exactly. it's not like he wanted god obviously to kill him right like he just wanted him to feel the same torment that he felt well with lost his sisters and all that prank yeah. quote unquote they did that and i also have a touch of bias because rami malik is his uh mocap his first mocap so that's um another thing i really like that actor but um just uh, linking into the question and not being too random. We see in the sanatorium, right, mm-hmm. that um, a lot of the Wendigos are still left. Like, even with the, essentially, the upper part of the building blown up when Mike leaves, we see that a lot of them have still potentially got the ability to survive been in the underground segment or in the, essentially, chained up the, in the cellar's basement, whatever. Do you think it would be possible to actually have any kind of sequel material from the fact that there's still a sizable amount of Wendigos left on the mountain, or do you reckon that's a place where we wouldn't potentially go back and revisit again because we've been there before? Well, <laughs> technically, yes, they can do a sequel because, uh, for one, if you got the secret ending, though, no. Josh, you know, assuming if that's going to be canon, of course, he does become a Wendigo, right? So, mm-hmm. and there's people going back down there, so they could set that up of them trying to survive this madness as well, and then they easily could make it like an anthology series of you know, other supernatural events that happen within the world until dawn. Plus, mm-hmm. there's another story they could do as well, is the, the events of 1952, because Impendent does cover the um, Blackwood's Pines um, arc, which is, I guess, explained that, you know, at least the main character become the Wendigo to attack the girls, you know. So that's one detail they could actually make a game of, VR or not, you know. Hmm. Um, I mean, just let me get the words together. They're a bit jumbled up in my head. There was, there was a lot of, there was a lot of lore in the, in the sanatorium itself. Like, a lot of, of lore that would support that, because, I mean, Essentially, they were they weren't just helping and treating these people. They were pretty much experimenting on them, and that is confirmed yeah. by all the stuff that you see. <clears throat> they were pretty much doing horrendous stuff to them and, and gauging and monitoring what was happening. I mean, hmm. Yeah, that was the source be, of it was... all too. So that's unfortunate. Even even if it's outside the vein of what the main story is, I would really like to see, even if it's just like a short couple of hours horror spin-off where something happens in the sanatorium, they've they've got every potential resource there to do it. But didn't the developers of this game move on to another horror game afterwards. Supermassive, yeah, the developer. Yeah, Dark Picture um, Anthology. That's under Namco right now. So yeah, they're busy they're doing that stuff. They're, they're, they're doing the Dark Pictures Anthology. Mm-hmm. And so far, only out of the three games they made, only one of them I would consider is decent or good. Damn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... like... Just like a quick rundown, I think the first one, which is um, Men of Madon, that one I think is trash as shit. Little Hope has one. Little Hope has one of the worst endings. I, I'm not gonna spoil it, but it has probably one of the worst twist endings in, in ever. Like it's just not good. But House of Ashes, though, was definitely like 
super close to like on par quality of Until Dawn. And I highly recommend you would play that one. Uh, I might I might check that out because I was seriously considering. I won't digress too much here, but I was seriously considering streaming a uh, Man of Madan. But considering you just said it's shit, I might go for the other one instead. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was saying straight up for you. <laughs> like honestly, like I only hate Man of Madan because it doesn't feel like until dawn like it until dawn set a bar so high that man of Madon just suffers for it not only that it does have a lot of issues like bugs and glitches that kind of make the game just kind of stupid and there's some decisions that you can make that are just like downright like okay and the game just it's, it just doesn't play well in my opinion like the plot and the story doesn't play well little hope they try to do something interesting but then the ending completely screwed it over like the ending just did not work always see for yourself because i remember saying resident (laughs) evil 7 was a bad game until i actually tried it yeah but i'm be uh real quick though i won't be honest here though like until dawn's not in technical masterpiece either because uh, there's certain segments where you yeah. actually see a JPEG, especially the beginning of the game, or you see like cell shaded rocks, or the game is just chugging its frame rate and things being out of sync. So like, I'm yeah, not gonna pretend f- like it's a, it's a technical masterpiece either. So I'm not surprised yeah. that Darpa Jazz like is I'm, weird. Uh, so yeah, like like I said, like I think Until Dawn just sets the bar high for like storytelling, characters, and plot. It has set the bar super high and the only one that gets very close to it in my personal opinion is house of ashes and that's for many reasons that if you do play it you'll see um i feel like some of go ahead you're fine yeah this (laughs) i was gonna say i kind of felt the same way with until dawn i felt like it was uh there was a bar set super high and i actually didn't play man of madon until last year um but Playing through Man of Madon, I was kind of just, I felt really underwhelmed, especially with, with like, I don't know if that game was shorter than Until Dawn. Um, it was. It's like, it's like a couple hours shorter. Yeah, I, but I didn't, I wasn't really here for the storytelling. I didn't care about the characters. Like, I, I just, I don't know. It was really weird. But it is a game that I get, would definitely say try for yourself just so that you do have the experience. Um, I haven't played Little Hope yet, but it makes me really sad that the ending doesn't. Yeah, the ending's not good. Well. It's not a good ending. Like the beginning, and the middle, it sets up for something interesting, and then the last like like fifteen percent of the game completely takes a nosedive in its twists. It's like, why would you do it? Ugh. Like if you want, I feel if you want to have like a private DM, like I would explain it to you. If you don't want to, oh no, it. I I already bought the game. I I'm no, gonna play okay. it. <laughs> Never mind then. Never mind. But we oh, that's not a spoiler cast for that series though. So yeah. um, like keep on the wraps and um, wrap yeah, that I'm up. Not, I'm not trying to spoil anything, but just be prepared just to be disappointed yet again. That's really sad. Mm. I think yeah. it's. I think it depends on the person. I actually didn't mind the ending to Little Hope at all. When I learned of the ending, because I didn't want to watch it, because I was like, Man of Madon was so shit, in my opinion, and it was like, Little Hope was... I, I was excited for Little Hope because of the, the t- trailer for it, and then I, I got I got spoiled of the ending. I was like, wait, really? Oh, that's just so dumb. Like, I'm not even interested anymore. And then House of Ashes came out, and I was like, okay, now this is something else. I was like, okay, now you got me back. I never yeah. played either of these, so I'm going to nah. stick to the tried and true. <laughs> I don't have an opinion until I actually play it. 
No one cares uh, about like, I know people who like Mamadon and uh, and Little Hope, which is completely fine. It's just that on the terms of like the if you were expecting something until dawn, it's just nowhere near unless it's House of Ashes. That's the only one I consider that's close enough to the, uh, until dawn. The the only thing I kind of agree with is that the frame rate issues. I've seen those. I have seen those for until dawn. So um, if they iron those out, at least that's kind of like a little bit of brownie points. But I don't know. We'll see what happens. I guess that's the mentality I'm in right now for it. Just an observation in terms of the frame issues as far as Until Dawn goes. I think that's more a hardware struggling to keep up with the game issue. On is observation, it? I, I know no, this is diverging, seriously. but is it any different on PS5 since you have one? Yeah, yeah, seriously, Ren. I was about to say it is at, it's not perfect, but it is improved. So oh, I do okay. think it's just the hardware of the PS4 can't keep up as well. But like, see, like I would agree with you on that though. But there's other games like it, or like a little bit more demanding, and it doesn't have that same same issue of you know keeping up the game, right? You know, unless there's a lot more that, moving parts that I'm not aware of because you know I'm not a developer, I'm not in the game, so I don't know what's going on behind versus what we're looking at. But I'm just saying, like, no, there's only so much I can excuse, though, but that was definitely not one of them, personally. I can understand that stance. I can. Yeah. Yeah, it um, it, it just see, might be optimization going on right there. Like, okay, let me put it like this, though. Let's take Resident Evil 8, like, you know, on PS4. It has clear issues, you know, given that it's legend um port that was done quickly, give or take. But that doesn't have nearly as like the frame rate or graphical issues that I had with Until Dawn. Like it wasn't terrible, of course. Though I am saying it's like all that, but it just like it, they were pretty glaring. Indulge me, because I'll only digress for a moment. How is the performance for that thing on PS4? Because I've literally only played the PS5 version. Uh, uh, uh Village. Yeah. 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 Village. village. Uh, it's oh. actually really competent though, but there are certain set times where if you go too fast, um, faster than the game can actually, you know, stream. Um, there would be segments yeah. where you actually have to wait for the game to actually load, like an actual loading screen, and then it will go through. Those are more rare, but the more common ones is your inventory loading. Sometimes that would take a, like a good like thirty seconds for it to pop up. Same for the menus as well. Menus yeah. to menus when loading to other areas, it takes a bit. I, I think uh, one of the most notable ones that's very easy is like booting up a game of mercenaries. It takes a while to load. Really? Because the, the Xbox didn't have that much of an issue. Xbox One. Yeah, I was about to say that. Yeah. That is interesting. Xbox One, no, Xbox like... one had similar issues, though, but they're not game breaking, though. It's just, um, just loading. I, apart from maybe loading into mercenaries, I didn't have any loading issues with the village. And that was me. I, I I had a base Xbox One, and that thing was okay with loading. Even mercenaries had loaded decently well. The only issue it had was just the typical frame rate issues that I had, and like the graphical downgrade. That was about it. Yeah, I did hear about yeah. the frame rates being on, on base Xbox being a little you know. <laughs> it, it, it was choppy. It was like it like glitched from thirty to forty most of the time. Oh. Very rare, very rare <laughs> occasions it went down to 20, but also because there was like a lot going on. Damn. And I speed run the game and I didn't have any loading issues. And I, sp I fucking beat that game eight times in a row when it came out. Amateur. 
But I, I want to. I want to cycle back to. I beat it eight times and then I had to move on to other games because I didn't want to burn myself out. I want to yeah, cycle true. back to the question. Um, so for until dawn as a series, just having like you know the main core experience and that's it, or wanting more. I I don't know. I I think Sony probably should have saw like they struck gold with this because I'm I'm pretty sure this game like did well, right? It, it had to because it um yeah. it did better than they expected it to be. Yeah, despite the game had like legit no marketing, I think the word of mouth literally and the streamers, of course, could you know they could sell a product like a show sell a bag of shit and you'll buy it, right? But okay, but um yeah, like the game did a l- much better than it was actually expected to be. So like it, it did struck gold. For the most part, given um the drama it is and the little marketing ahead. Also, yeah, what what about sales? Well it yeah, it sold well. Well, for Until Dawn, yeah, or yeah. just uh, Sony titles in general, because uh, Until Dawn, yeah. it sold really well. It um sold past Sony's expectations. Yeah, okay, because I, I was about this, I about to bring up Days Gone. I'm about to be like, hold up now. <laughs> that's a whole other story, but Sony was like, I'm throwing that out the window. Five million sales, that's nothing. I mean, in fairness, <laughs> until Dawn did get two other games afterwards. So, like, clearly it did enough to warrant a um another game. Plus, yeah. but that was also different management at the time. So, like, in fairness. Yeah, but I, I always think with IPs in terms of success, Sony is always kind of like picky and choosy because clearly it was great for them for Until Dawn, but they didn't pursue a sequel with it in terms of like a real legitimate sequel. So I, I don't know. I would say it's up in the air. It's always... Uh, ba- go ahead. Uh, hold on. Um, that's also do with Supermassive wanting to do other projects. So like they want to do a Dark Picture um, series, so... Did, did they confirm they just wanted to do dark picture like yeah i remember seeing that in um an interview somewhere uh like uh, interesting they, yeah they wanted to move on to do other projects they, they wanted to do other stories and they were agreeing to do like a, an anthology series of just different uh, stories because they, they had a lot of ideas for until dawn which they kind of were like they kind of like scrapped but then they kind of revisited them for the um the uh, dark anthology series, which is kind of cool, mm. but like, unfortunately, in my personal opinion, and quite a few others, uh, the, the first few didn't hit. They the first few sold well commercially; like it was a commercial success, but like reception wise, Man of Madon was mostly mixed to negative, and then Little Hope was mostly mixed to slightly positive. It, it was slightly better than Man of Madon, but like again, it still suffered some of those issues. House of Ashes uh, has been mostly positive and that one sold really well and so it might just be a case of then well we didn't want to they wanted to do their own thing and clearly we have a lot of other ips to put out so we're gonna let them go ahead as opposed to a situation like returnal and housemark where it's like it's their first run at the bat uh we like this and we're gonna just buy the whole studio so different times might definitely factor into uh, what went on there but in terms of seeing like a continuation or something i would be all for it like if they want to do it then i i don't see why not because i i do think that while they left it off nicely it's still a ton of lore there yeah like in my personal opinion yep. if they ever did a until dawn sequel i in my personal opinion i would say just do different I'd just do entirely different story and characters different era maybe that that so, worked so like another anthology there a different era wouldn't be a bad idea either. 
Yep. Uh, but if you're going to do an Until Dawn sequel, I don't think having having a few cameos of returning characters would be nice. But I think you we need a new cast, in my personal opinion. It would it would work better storytelling wise to have a new cast because it's better to have characters grow instead of having returning characters who already had grown and had changed. I, I just wouldn't work. I think having a new set of members, like, oh, like it could be the setup as like, oh, some people heard about, like, there were some murders or kills over here. Like, let's go investigate. Like, Scooby-Doo shit. And then they get stuck <laughs> in the shit. Oh my God. And they're like, okay, yeah. we made a mistake coming here and we need now to survive. <laughs> Like, no, I feel like on. a different story point or a different time period would be a better way to produce a sequel. That's they do say let's about. split up, so they're kind of on the tipping point of that one. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Or oh, that um, could be a, a strange hypothetical universe where there's a DLC spinoff where Matt actually gets some screen time and doesn't get killed in 47 <laughs> different ways. Definitive <laughs> edition. Yes. Be all for it. Director's cut. Yeah. But um yeah, super massive, they've been focusing only on the dark anthology. Um they're having their season finale uh is the next game. The next game is their season finale, which honestly seems very interesting since House of Ashes being as good as it was. I'm hopeful that this next one's gonna be just as good, if hopefully better. Even if it doesn't seem, if it, even if the idea of it, which they showed, isn't my forte, I am very optimistic that they could do something really good there. And then I wonder if they're going to do a season two anytime soon, which I hope they do, because I just want, I just want them to be successful and make good stories. That's all I care about. Yep. Yeah, I mean, as long as they're doing what they want to do, and uh, if they want to revisit it, I think the option is probably still on the table because, uh, like I said, PlayStation pretty much owns all these IPs, so they could, you know, revisit or do stuff with them if they want to keep well, the verse. Except for Supermassive, because um, Man of Madonna, all of them, that's on PC, PlayStation, and Xbox. Well, but they don't own the IP. I think Namco owns that IP. Yeah, yeah, I think Namco uh, owns the IP now. It's never too late to put Until Dawn on PC since Sony, you're promoting PlayStation PC in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. Intent? Yeah. Or PS5 Intent? Yep, that's another one. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, any, anything else, guys? To talk no. about sequels or spinoffs? No, I think we covered most of it unless anyone else had some extra piece to say. Oh, going once, going twice. I guess we could do outros then. All right. All right. So, Brandel, outro us, please. Oh, okay. Well, awesome. Outro yourself. Uh, uh, it's been fun here. Sorry for the terrible mic call. Yeah, hopefully by the next time I get a, a fixable mic or get a replacement. But um, it's been fun here. I'm AK Austin, and I'll see you guys later. Peace. Sorry, I didn't catch that. I'm just coming here. kidding. Hi, uh, Ginger. Outro yourself. Well, hopefully, I'll be back again soon. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at BlitzGinge. Um, yeah, um, hopefully, I'll be back on YouTube soon as well. See you in the next video or podcast. Yeah. All right. Uh, uh, lady, cat lady over here. Uh, sorry, I forgot your name. Outro yourself. Um, I had a lot of fun. Um, 
I can't wait to be in another podcast with you guys. And uh, if you guys want to find me, I am on YouTube under Lady Tolkien. Yay, Tolkien, uh, Chuck E. Cheese Tolkien, it's nice. Uh, Silver Crystal, outro, Lisa. All righty. Yeah, thanks for having me back. Um, you can find me over on Twitter at Silver Gaming Network. And same thing on YouTube. I have just done a 30-minute opinion piece on Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City. So I implore you to come and check that fine masterpiece out. And I literally watched yeah. that too before I step away. I <laughs> finish it. Indeed. Well, yeah, thank uh, you for having me on. I'll be back for more. See you again soon, guys. Desmond, first of Vulture. Uh, I'll try yourself, man. Uh, thank you guys for having me here. Um, it was really interesting. I feel like I did, I, I learned a lot actually about Until Dawn more than anything. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Desiree underscore Veronica, and you can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash VersaVulture24. Hey, all right, and last but not least, you can catch me on Twitter. Outro me, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I can hold that one. <laughs> yeah, we know. Yeah. <laughs> All right, operative. We we know where to find you. It's fine. All I'm right, go outro yourself. So you can find me on Twitter at rentoperative underscore. You can find me on YouTube at Renegade Operative, uh, where I was streaming the great uh gta definitive edition where everyone's having glitches but not me of course because i'm a legend so uh you can check that out i'm a legend so uh (laughs) i also did some reviews on um well not necessarily reviews but some lore videos on dmc and i also did one on death space so you can check that out as well uh the next thing I'm doing is kind of a rant on Capcom because some leaked documents came out about Resident Evil 3 Remake, and <laughs> I kind of want to talk about it because I don't, I don't like some of the ideas in there. So look forward to that. And that's All it. right, well, that's sweet, sweet. All right, look forward to that. Well, you catch me on Twitter at Sarah Brundle. Uh, sorry, sorry, wrong one. That's my Twitch. I'm, I'm a little drunk. I've been drinking. Uh, you can catch me on Twitter at Immortal Brundle. Uh, catch me here with Renegade doing dumb stuff like this. And if you don't. Yes. Yes. And uh, yeah, everything's not your damn business. Get the hell out of here. Thank you, everybody. Don't turn to Winnegos. Avoid cannibalism. Avoid crazy doctors. You know, don't kill twins. All right. Thank you. Don't kill twins. Don't kill twins. <laughs> <laughs>